Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the 20% Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Meckes. Today's guest is Mark Metry. For those of you who don't know Mark, he's the host of a top 100 podcast, an author, public speaker, and also the founder of his own podcast growth company. Oh, by the way, he's only 23 years old. In this episode, we discussed a variety of topics, ranging from overcoming anxiety and depression, the importance of mental health. We also discussed podcasting as well, why you should start a podcast, how to get high caliber guests, and much, much more. Enjoy my conversation with Mark Metry. Mark, welcome to the show. Tyler, thanks for having me, dude. Mark, I am so pumped. This, this pre-conversation that we had, uh, I literally cannot wait to have this, this conversation with you. Tell me something good. All right, man, I got two good things. Um, so first off, so I launched this book called Screw Being Shy the, the day after the world shut down. And I made this audiobook with a friend of mine and, and he interviewed me in between the chapters. And yesterday I literally got the notification from Amazon that it's finally live. So my audiobook, first ever audiobook, finally came out. It's like literally eight and a half hours, has a custom soundtrack, like like it's dope. And then the second thing is um I'm not sponsored by them yet, but I met this guy off LinkedIn named um Steve Odell. He's the CEO of this company called Tenzo Tea. They sell like uh like this matcha green tea. Okay. And uh and he was just DMing me on Instagram. And he was like, dude, send me your address and I'll keep you permanently stocked for the rest of your life for green tea. So I drank some for the first time this morning and it's very nice. So those are two little things that, uh, that are going good, man. The simple things in life, man. That, that is awesome. We'll have, to get, we'll have to get some links to that as well. And an audio book, a regular book, you're one of the top 100 podcasters, you know, your host 2.0 podcast. You were a TED speaker, 23 years old. You have 13 years of marketing experience let's take a step back. Where'd you get your start? Yeah, man, I got my start from literally just growing up as a super socially anxious, shy kid who had no friends. And when you're in that situation, you know, like you, you try to find some sort of an outlet, right? And a lot of people have different kinds of outlets. For some people, it's sports. For some people, it's like, you know, joining drama or like joining arts or, you know, whatever that stuff. I was never that kind of person who could do any of those things. Okay. And so for me, I just like remember going on my school's library's computer back like when I first discovered the internet. And I remember just like truly just trying to use the internet to just explore, to just learn about things. And I remember, you know, I got this one summer job when I was like 11 years old. And I saved up enough money. I bought a computer. I bought an iPhone. And ever since then, man, I was, I, I like learned how to code uh, websites. I learned how to make apps when the iPhone came out. Uh, I, I started to do like website marketing. I started to go into this marketing world. And I was literally doing this when I was like a super young, like literally like this 13 year old running around here. And I had no idea Who does what that? I was doing. I don't know, man. You got to ask, you got to be pretty weird to do that. But, no, it's great, um, man. Yeah, it's super interesting. You know, it's crazy because at that time, it's like nobody really saw the internet for what it could be and what it, and what it was going to be. And so I've, I just like remember going on the internet and people just had no idea. People were like, wait, you can make money on the internet? And so I got into this world super early on and I'm so grateful because I, man, it, it taught me so many different lessons. So um yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think the craziest story is like, I, I launched like so many little businesses, so many like little ventures on the internet. Some of them made me some money, but for me, I remember when I was 15, I started something and it was like my first real big success. And next thing I know, I'm like 15, 16 and I'm making six figures. And like, you know, I'm, I'm someone who I come from immigrant parents. They came to this country with $200 in their pocket. And so I had no money whatsoever. And so, yeah, I just kind of like accidentally randomly stumbled into this world. Wow. And then as I've gotten older, as I've like grown through my life, you know, I remember there was a time where I was eight, when I was 18 and I literally had all the money and, uh, and, you know, respect that I could want. And I was super depressed uh, my social anxiety never went away. Uh, there was a time where I was obese and there was a time where I was suicidal. And so when that for me happened, when I was 18, I kind of hit that rock bottom. That's really where I just kind of like 
took all the skills that I've been building and I started to put it more on what needs to be talked about, which is mental health, which is all the things that I never heard growing up that even though I was successful from the outside, I wasn't successful on the inside. And the reality is, is that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what suit you're wearing. It doesn't matter how much your family loves you if you hate yourself and your mind is your own worst enemy. Yeah. And so once I went through that, I, you know, that totally changed my life. And ever since then, you know, I've like dedicated most of my career towards speaking up about this because it's like literally the most important thing from my perspective. So absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm so sorry that you experienced that at some, such a young age, but what it comes down to, I mean, that's, I'm a true believer that some of the, the bad things that happen are really going to set you up and, and rocket propel you into the, into the future. Uh, and it sounds like literally. that, that, uh, that happened to you as well. That, that yeah, is crazy. man, it was, it was terrible, dude. I mean, it, it was great in many ways. And it's not like I had like some terrible, you know, life. I'm sure a lot of other people had it worse than me. But um, yeah, man, it's pretty crazy. Like it's, uh, it, it honestly feels like I was a different person back then. Like it feels like a totally different lifetime. And it's, uh, I'm glad that life desensitized me <laughs> right. to a lot of these things. Because yeah, man, it seemed, it was like a nightmare for like over 10 years of my life. So I'm grateful to have woken up from that and then now be able to like truly do what I want to be doing with my life. So what was the biggest lesson of, of being down in the dumps? Was it just building the grid or, or when you were in that position and, and you experienced this at a young yeah. age, anybody could be experiencing this. We have listeners from, you know, 15 years old to 50s, 60s. Anybody could experience this. How'd you get out of that tough time? Yeah, man. So I'm about to give you the, the 20% that's going to create the most amount of impact. So the reality is, is I could just say, yeah, you got to get more grit or, you know, whatever, but this is the truth, right? The reality is, is that mental health is so misunderstood in our society today, if, even from like healthcare to, to all sorts of things. And for me, the biggest thing that empowered me was when I went from oh, I have anxiety because I'm a weak person or I have anxiety because God just created me like this or I have anxiety because there's like a, there's something wrong with who I am deep down. The moment when I was looking at it from that and then I shifted it to, um, you know, like just doing more research around what anxiety is, like looking at the science, that's where I began to understand of like, oh, this is actually something that is bigger than me. This is actually something that has nothing to do with my moral and ethical character. It's this is just like- Probably, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and it's like the same way of like, you know, if you, you know, if you, um, it's, like, it's, like, it's like if you get cancer, you know, it's like you get a cancer that, that maybe, you know, it's genetic, you, like it has nothing to do with your lifestyle. And it's like, you get cancer and then you think like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. Well, you know, not a lot of people, you know, definitely can happen. I have friends like, like that that's happened. But um, the reality is, is there's just so much stigma because it's one of those things that we just can't see. You know, like you can, if you break your leg, people can see you're in crutches. If you, you know, have an issue with your heart, you know, you, you go through a surgery, you have some sort of a pacemaker. But with your brain, nobody can see that. And so there, like if anyone experiences, there's so much shame, so much guilt around this stuff because it's not talked about. And so if something is not talked about, you feel like you're the only one going through it. When in reality, there's probably a ton of other people that are going through it too because we're all just normal humans. Absolutely. And so that was one of the biggest things. And the second thing that completely changed the game for me was when I saw that anxiety was more or less like a, like a scientific error in, some, in, like in your brain, that's where also I was like, huh, okay, well, if this is science and there are steps that I can take, there are ways that I can, one, you know, one plus two plus three, there are ways that I can climb out of this just going off of science. And so the biggest thing for me was, um, you know, in that time where I was suicidal that I talk about, in my book, this chapter is labeled first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And basically what I go in depth in the book is that we basically have this thing in our bodies called a gut microbiome. 
And this is an ecosystem of trillions of bacteria. And these bacteria have direct connections to our brain and vice versa. And when you look at people who experience mental health problems, a lot of the times it's because like at a scientific level, the neurotransmitters in their brain are off. A lot of the times it's this one particularly called serotonin. Right. And so serotonin, it like literally That's regulates your mood, hormone, right? Feel good hormone. It does a lot of things in your body, but like it, it, it controls your mood. It controls your appetite, controls your sexual desire, controls your sleep. Um, and, and the biggest thing about it too, is that it actually controls how you function in social groups and in hierarchies. And so this is extremely important for people who have social anxiety. And so it turns out that most of this serotonin stuff, it, it's not, most of it isn't even in your brain. Most of it is in your gut microbiome. Yeah. And when you look at the, the two biggest issues that can mess with your gut microbiome, which then directly mess with your brain, which then directly mess with your mental health, literally the two biggest ones are your diet, food, and then the amount of chronic stress that you have from like psychological uh, turmoil, psychological trauma. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you truly begin to look at like, you know, I'm sure this because of your degree, you truly look at the, the human body and the mind as a system. And you start to realize like, wait, hold up. So, you know, if, if God or the universe or whatever you believe in gave me a Lamborghini and I'm, I'm out here and I'm dumping Kool-Aid and Oreos into it every single day and it's not working and I'm depressed, that's a major reason right then and there. And so um, like in my book, I go really in depth and I talk about how there's a difference between our software and our hardware. So I say that your mindset is like your software. This is like the books that you read, the thoughts that you have in your head, the, the podcasts you listen to. Into your body, right? The hardware. Yeah, that's exactly body. right. Love it. But then, but then this is the thing, right? So if your mindset is the software, what is the hardware? Your mind, your mind, your brain is the hardware because your mind is inside of your brain. Right. And so a lot of people, they make the mistake of focusing on either one, just it. They say, hey, if I want to be more positive, I, I got to stand in front of the mirror and, and repeat these things to myself. I got to brute force it in or I got to read books all day. That's great. But if you like, imagine this from a technology standpoint, imagine you have like, you have like a, like a new update for your iPhone. You got like iOS 15 or whatever they're coming out with. And it's like a beautiful software. It's perfect. It works great. And imagine trying to install iOS 15 on like a slow, outdated, like iPhone 2. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of people are out here reading books and trying to do this stuff at a surface level, but yet they're not actually looking at the deep, which is your hardware, which is how inflamed your brain is, which is your neurotransmitters, which is what's the functioning and health of your brain and your gut microbiome, because th these two are inseparable. You cannot right. separate them. And so most of our society just teaches people like, Hey, Hey, you know, if you, you know, if you got to take a self care day, you know, go eat a slice of cake and take a bath. And it's like, that's great and everything. But it's like, if you actually want like long-term self care for your body, you would not be eating that cake because you understand the neurochemical effects that it has. Right. And so that for me was like the biggest thing that if someone can just like stop eating the wrong foods and start eating the right foods, that is going to upgrade their mind way more than trying to take somebody who is depressed and anxious and trying to get them to like read books all day, even though they don't even care because they're depressed and they don't want to. And so that's the biggest thing is like, when you're in like that much of a rock bottom, there's a literal biochemical effect in your brain. You need to fix that first because it is extremely rare that you're going to be able to power through that, even if you are an extremely nice, kind person. And so, you know, these two things are separate. You really have to do look at the science. And so, yeah, like in my book, I go through, I'm, I go through so many different kinds of scientific studies. I, I drop all kinds of work from a lot of people who I've learned from on my podcast, from neuroscientists to doctors to mental health experts. And honestly, after talking to all them, this is one of the biggest things that I can say. It actually has to do with your food, your diet. Wow. There, that was a lot to unpack. That is 
that was incredible, man. So there's, there's so many different things and so many different avenues that, I, that we could go in from here. Um, <laughs> so talking about this, it sounds like, uh, you know, just to quickly touch on it, to, to try to overcome the anxiety, it's not just a mental thing. You have to focus on eating healthy, on exercise, on, because um, I mean, that has profound impact on your well-being as well. Do you have a regular exercise routine or meditation routine that you typically go by? Yeah, man. So, you know, these are just straight up the keys to mental health. It's literally optimal sleep. It's, it's moving your body. It's food. It's sunlight. It's just going outside. Like the sun is extremely important. It's finding a way to center yourself, ground yourself. Uh, meditation, that's a massive one. It's finding a way to also rewire your brain. Um, so this is the biggest thing, right? So when we're first born on this planet, we go through a developmental process from ages zero to seven. We're basically like, if you notice, um, and you know, you, you know, you have an eight month year old daughter, so you would know this, but if you see, for example, a different animal, like let's say a, a giraffe or like a shark being born. And like you watch like those, like those discovery documentaries, you see that the second the giraffe is born, or the second that the shark is born, it's instantly like moving. It's like running around. It's trying to do stuff. It, it knows what to do. But if you look at a human baby, <laughs> yeah, they don't know what to do. They're just like lying there. They can't even eat by themselves. They can't even move. They can't even hold their own neck, right. their own head, excuse me. And so basically life puts us through this developmental process where it's like whatever we experience from like basically ages zero to like 14 we're like literally downloading that stuff. We're downloading that stuff and it's, be, and it's literally wiring our brain. It's creating our future. It's literally creating the foundation for how we're going to live. And so if you are like 99.999% of people, your life is, was not perfect. You had some errors. You had some issues. I'm sure, you know, maybe your parents were great to a certain aspect, but then they also had issues that affected you. Maybe you went through a, a traumatic moment. Maybe you went through some sort of really bad experience. All that stuff gets hard coded into your neurology. And so finding a way to literally every single day rewire your brain is the, is the goal of the day. Because if you can do that, you're focusing on growth and that's what will actually make you happy that's what will actually make you fulfilled that's what that's what will actually make you be able to to feel love right. you know like i think a lot of us as guys you know i don't know what it was like for you but for me you know my parents came from the middle east middle east very conservative culture and um you know a lot of a lot of us guys are just taught to like suck it up or you know you shouldn't feel sad or like you should be a man because other people need you the reality is, is that that has very detrimental effects for men, especially. And it's why they're the number one demographic for suicide. Right. And so really a massive part of your goal every single day is to rewire your brain because it's only until you can rewire the neurology where it's like you reset the default person of who you are. Right. And so what I mean by that is this, right? So now that I actually know what it feels like to, to know who I am, I have never felt like myself growing up ever. And I think a, a lot of that has to do with a thousand different factors. But I remember I one time drank this coffee called Bulletproof Coffee. Have you ever heard of this? No, no. Okay. So, so basically Bulletproof Coffee, it's where you put butter in your coffee. And that sounds crazy, but you should look it up. But basically it was invented by this guy named Dave Asprey. And I remember for me when I was obese and I was trying to Google like, yo, how do I lose weight? And I was like coming, there's like all these thousands of diets and all these detoxes and all this crap. And I remember running across this bulletproof coffee and I'm like, man, this is the biggest scam I've ever heard of in my life. What do you mean butter. put butter in your coffee? And it turns out that when I drank bulletproof coffee, that is one of the first times in my life where I felt like my brain turned on. And so, I, you know, I don't know if you'll understand this given your perspective, but um, basically the body has two main forms of energy. There's glucose and there's ketones. And glucose is like the normal sort of fuel. Like if you eat most foods, your body then processes it, breaks it down to glucose. Mm -hmm. It takes time and then you've got energy. Ketones, however, they are only found in certain foods that only have fat. 
in them. And it turns out that ketones are the most easily permissible into your brain. So that means that your brain can use ketones as energy out of the most efficient, fastest way out of anything else in your body. And so it turns out when you drink Bulletproof coffee and it has grass-fed butter and it has this thing called MCT oil, which is a form of coconut oil, that's all it is, that has ketones. And so I remember when I was trying to lose weight, I would drink this coffee and I literally felt for the first time in my life, all of a sudden my brain turned on for like an hour, for two hours. And when that happened, that is truly where I was able to be myself without thinking about it, to be myself on the default. And so going back to what I was thinking before, a lot of us are living in these, these like 14 year old versions of ourselves. Even if we're adults, we're stuck in these anxieties. We're stuck in these traumatic moments that we never even addressed. And we just threw to the, to the, to the back of our minds and we just pretend to, to walk around great. Yeah. But when you start healing yourself every single day, and it's a process, some days it's hard, some days it's easier. When you start to do that, you get closer every single day to feeling like yourself on a default without even thinking about it to where you can just walk out and you don't have to think twice. You don't have to second guess. You just are yourself. You know, those, I don't know about you. Like, I don't know about you. Yeah. It's like those mini habits that truly over the course of like decades, really begin to rewire your brain and begin to create a new default version for who you are. And like, for example, that's, that's how the, the whole name of my podcast got started. It's that's called Humans 2.0. Are you, are you Mark 2.0 right now? <laughs> well, this is the thing, bro. Um, the reality is, is that you never really hit Mark 2.0 because it's always a moving target. It's always, it's always it's, there's always a next level. And so in moments I am Mark 2.0, but I think in many moments, there are, I'm not Mark 2.0. And, and like, that's the reality behind it. But is Mark 2.0 is a, like the flow Mark? Mark when he's in flow? I don't necessarily think so. Uh, maybe, but this is what I mean, right? So, so for example, like I, I have a history of, um, you know, part of like why I am who I am is because, um, you know, I remember my family and I, when we moved here to America, or I was, I was born here, but when, when they moved here to America, um, we lived like in the inner city at, at the start. And so inner city, all kinds of like crime and drugs. Uh, but then there's also many different like races of people. There's all kinds of people. Right. And I remember as my parents got better jobs, we moved out into a super small town and I moved into the small town with like 5,000 people. And, um, and the really interesting part about this place where we moved was um, there was no, no racial diversity whatsoever. And also at this time in America, it was post 9-11. And so if you were Arab, if you were Middle Eastern, and you lived in an area that didn't have much racial diversity, you know, at that time, that's where I sort of got the blunt end of racism for my race at that time in history. And so I remember going through just like so many different traumatic memories of racism, of, um, of social humiliation. And so I say that because of this, right? Um, right now, as I'm like doing this interview with you, 99% of my brain is like, all right, you know, we're, we're on this podcast. We're going to try to show up as our best selves to, to, to speak wisdom and value, to try to get to one person that's in Tyler's audience that I could change their life. But then there's the 1% of my brain that I kind of like detect in the background, which is like the ego survival part of your brain that's always there and never really shuts off. And it's telling me right now, it's like, you know, the same people that used to abuse me, Tyler kind of looks like that same person. Obviously that's not your fault. doesn't matter. Right. But there's a choice for me in my brain where it's like, Mark, you could just like not feel this interview and you could just like say, you know, scripted answers just to get by. And I may feel a little bit nervous or anxious. But then I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that because I could literally die at any moment. And why would I do that? And so you get back to it. And so really what it is, is you always have that choice in every single moment, every single time that you hop on a meeting, every time that you hop on a, 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 a lead, a client call, every time that you talk to your mom, every time that you get out there and you make the decision of, hey, am I going to am I going to drink, I don't know, like some green tea or am I going to have a shot of whiskey? Am I going to sit down on my couch or am I going to go for a walk? 
am I going to go for, you know, um, the, 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 the apple or the avocado, or am I going to go for the Oreos or the ice cream? And so you, we always have the decision in all moments of the day. And it really, what the difference is, is it's your conscious decision rather from sort of just going along with like whatever life has to throw at you and just not really care and not try your best. But it's the opposite of that. It's saying like, Hey, life is the way it's handed me, but I'm going to choose to do better. And so that's what, that's truly what it is. We always have that decision no matter what. And we always are human 1.0 and human 2.0s at all times. Right. That is incredible. And just to remind you guys, Mark is 23 years old. (laughs) If you did not know this, he sounds like a seasoned, I mean, he is a seasoned professional. He's been been exposed to uh, a ton of experiences, you know, a lot of uh, good ones and some bad ones as well. But you took the the higher road and, and took the path forward. Is that what caused you to start your book and the podcast from your previous experience? Yeah, man. You know, it was, it was definitely like that. But to be honest with you, that, so that was definitely part of it. But the other thing is, um, you know, I remember I was like, it was like a year or two in, in my journey where I was like totally changing everything about my life. And I remember I was still having mad problems. <laughs> and I remember I was like, man, I don't know what to do. I remember at that time, my business wasn't really making that much money. Um, I was having issues with my health still with my relationships. Um, and it was hard. Like it was just hard to be in this journey. And especially at that time, I didn't have that many people around me that were on the same wavelength as me that thought similar to me. Right. And so for me, I was just like, yo, I gotta, I gotta start some sort of a system to get myself around like-minded people to get myself around the people out there who are actually doing things out there. They're practitioners in the world. They're experts. They're not just going about their regular day to day. They want to do something better, have a mission, have a goal, right? Yeah. And more on top of that, they're not just theorists, you know, like there's a lot of people on the internet who, who they just like write articles and they just like write LinkedIn posts and they don't actually do anything. like, that's their job. And, um, and to me, I want like real field experience, you know, I want like that real world experience. And so for me, I was like, yo, I'm going to start a podcast. Cause I remember, I remember I started a podcast like in 2012, way, way back in the day when I was like a young kid and I just like randomly started it. It wasn't about anything. And like, I think I had on a few people, but then it only went like for five episodes. So I knew kind of what a podcast was. Um, and so I was like, yo, I'm just going to start this podcast and I'm just going to selfishly use it to learn about things. And then that's like, you know, I, I was meditating at that time. And then I was like, I got to upgrade my meditation practice because I'm, I suck at this. I don't think I'm doing it right. And then I, I was like, all right, who are the 10 top 10 best meditation experts in the world? And I would interview them. And then I would learn about nutrition and I interview them. And then I, and then I want to learn about marketing and then I interview them. And then I want to learn about journalism and, and how to write a book. And then I interview them. And so for me, really my podcast was started because I just wanted to put myself in some sort of a, like a, like a, like an education system. And I personally felt like the education system failed me and I failed it and I wanted to create my own version. And so, but you're perfect. You're perfect proof that you don't need the education system necessarily. I mean, you are so articulate and and so smart with, you know, you covered a variety of things already in this conversation. Is it just things that you're very curious about? Like, you know, a ton about the different (laughs) systems and, and a wide variety. Is it just all feeding your own curiosity and just trying to better yourself always? You know, I have this, I have a mentor of mine. His name is Naveen Jain. And, um, and, uh, you know, he's told me that as an entrepreneur, your superpower is intellectual curiosity. And love that, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, this, this guy, Naveen Jain, he's actually what Tom, he's actually one of the people who, who taught me about, um, like the gut microbiome and how much relates to your mental health. But, um, you know, this guy who I'm talking about, this guy's a billionaire. He has a space company. And so when you look at someone like that and he's like, he's not a, he's not like an astronaut. He's not like a space engineer. He has a, he has like one of the most innovative healthcare companies. He's not a doctor. He's not a, he's not a, you know, healthcare engineer or whatever. And so I think seeing him and just like what he's been able to do by having like a massive mission, and then using other people to learn from them and other, and to get other people who are way smarter than you around you. That's like, that's like part of it. So 
you know, on one point I had to learn this stuff because I had no choice and I was desperate. And I knew that if I didn't do this, I would literally become a statistic. And the other part of it definitely comes from, you know, I think it definitely has to do with my psychology. I definitely think it has to do with the fact that, you know, from like, from my early age, I grew up and I wasn't the popular kid. I didn't get any validation. I got terrible grades at school. Um, and so I definitely think part of it is just like me trying to make something of myself, right. <laughs> to right. be quite honest. And you always have to be careful of that because that can, that's a slippery slope. You know, on one end, it's great, but then on the other end, it can harm you. And it goes back to, you know, when I was, when I was making a ton of money, but yet anxiety was fueling that. You know, it wasn't happiness that was feeling that, which is the difference now. Right. And so, yeah, part of it has to do with curiosity. Part of it has to do with, um, you know, living a purposeful life. Part of it has to do with, for sure, I think, you know, trying to prove myself anxiety. Um, and, then, and then the other part of it too, man, is like, dude, I, just, just given the nature of my work, I, I get emails on a, a pretty regular basis from people who, you know, have listened to a podcast episode of mine who have read my book and just like, like, I don't even know how to think about it. Like I just get the craziest messages. Like I one time got a, got an email from a woman who was like 63 years old and she basically told me how she was going to commit suicide. And then she listened to one of my podcast episodes and then someone else's and it, it just started to like give her hope. And then, and then like, for example, last week on my podcast, I did this episode and it was called, uh, thinking of suicide. Listen to this. And, um, and I put that out and it's like literally every day now I just get me like, just like the weirdest messages from people. And, and then I start to think like, yo, that was literally me five years ago. Yeah. And then it just gets me to think of like, if that person does that now, how are they, what, like, what are they going to do now? Like, how are they going to treat their kids? Are they going to have kids? Are they going to start a business? And so I think that for me is also a big, big motivation. Absolutely. Just you, like, change. you know, if they ended their life, they, they could go on and be one of the greatest leaders or greatest whatever that they're going to do. And just by you proving your message, you telling your story, which I think is incredible about podcasting. It's really great that, you're changing lives. And I hope to do the same thing with, with this show too. And I know for sure people listening to this one, I hope to get messages and I hope that you get messages from people after this, because this is, this is what it's all about, man. I mean, this is truly incredible. Now, how do you go about choosing your mentor? I think mentorship is very important and it sounds like it, it, it had a pretty integral part in your life as well. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, I, um, I have all different kinds of, uh, of, of friends and mentors. And, um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that it, it's a, uh, it, it's a mute, it's a, it's a two way street. And so I remember my very first mentor, when I asked him, he was like, okay, Mark, I'm going to teach you something right now and mentor you. Number one, unless it's like some kind of like a, like a paid program or anything like that, never ask someone if they can be directly your mentor and using that word because it turns off a lot of people. And then he told me the second thing is I'll mentor you if you mentor me and just realizing that it's a two way street. That's really where things happen because the reality is, is if you're, if, if, if any kind of relationship that you have in your life, if it's not equal, you're screwed. Somebody, and so somebody, right. Exactly. And so the reality is, is that for that to happen, there has to be some sense of mutual value. There has to be some sense on equality. And so, you know, I remember, you know, helping my mentor out with like LinkedIn and like podcasting and he helped me out with like business and, and, and like other things that I didn't understand back then. Um, and so that's the biggest thing that I would say. And, um, and like, and like, just to let you know, like there's so many people who say they want a mentor, but they aren't actually willing to do the work to get a mentor. Um, there's some people like, Oh, I want a mentor for this. or I want a mentor for this. And then it's like, for example, like I, um, I did this thing where I was like, Hey, I'm going to mentor three people and like, like, you know, on anything that I, that they, that they think I can teach them. And I was, and like, I, I copped on calls with so many people 
And I was like, yeah, if you want me to mentor you, send me a video with why you want to be mentored, what you think I could specifically mentor you with, and then how you can make this mutually beneficial and how you can help me with anything. I think I probably talked to like 60 people in general. I got four responses. And so it just goes to show you that literally 99% of the people, they, they say, oh, I want a mentor. I want someone to come hold my hand. I want this. The reality is, is unless you're putting in the work, the commitment, and you're helping them, there's just no way it's going to happen. And so if you do that and you are, you're staying in contact with that person, you're, you're, you know, letting them know what your progress is. If you're able to understand that they are also a human being and your mentor may not have time to respond to you over a week, especially if, if like you're not actually mentoring them yet, but you stay in touch with them, you read their book, you give them support, you see that, that you're a real person, that's how you go about it. And then just seeing that, you know, is that person actually where I want to be in the future? Uh, I think that's, that's so, so, so important. And, um, and yeah, I think that that's about it. And I remember like, I, I do these posts all the time and it's like, Hey, here's how, here's how, like how you get a mentor. Um, and I, um, I could try to find it on LinkedIn real quick. Um, and basically, uh, I, in this post, I talk about how, you know, right now I'm trying to stall and I'm, try, I'm trying to find this post. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. Number one is don't ask, can you be my mentor? Like I said, number two is look at what they've got going on in their lives and figure out where they could use some help. Do not ask them, just do it and send it to them. And so for example, um, the person, the person now who works with me on my team for podcasting, he listened to a podcast episode of mine, took it automatically. I think he took like five episodes automatically and then like made them sound way better and like, like mixed and mastered them and like remove certain things. And so like, that's, that's example. Uh, number three is you have to ask specific questions, especially if your mentor is a busy person, ask specific questions by messaging or emailing them first. It's very unlikely you're like, Hey, can I hop on a call with you to see if you can be like, no, you have to let them know you care. Number four is act on the advice that they give you and then show them the amount of times that people ask me for advice and they don't even go with it. They never show me is crazy. And when you do that, it makes me not want to help you because I'm like, this person is just one ear in at the other. Um, number five is be patient with the timing of their response and treat them like a human being. Imagine how many requests and messages they receive every single day, especially if you're a successful person. A lot of people just want transactional relationships with you. Um, and so that's, that's one. And then the last one is, um, is just like a lesson that I learned of like one of my friends who's a billionaire who mentors me. He told me that one of the reasons why he mentors me is because I remind him of his younger self. And so finding a way to like truly show your humanity to just be a regular person, that is also a major reason why. And honestly, out of every single person on the young scale who I just like interview for fun, mentor for fun, excuse me, almost all of them, I see my younger self in me. And that's probably why I do it. So yeah, there's a, I know I just spit out a lot there, no, but that was a you can roll of, off that. So, so when you're asking for a mentor, in your video approach, it's why you want to be mentored. What was number two? Why you want to be mentored. What can I specifically mentor you with? Is it, is it podcasting? Is it LinkedIn? Is it mental health? Is it anxiety? Is it social anxiety? And then the last one was what can you mentor me with on it? Like what can you teach me as a two way street in our mentorship together? Okay, Mark. Well, guess what? You're going to get a video from me later on. And I'm okay. going to do my pitch. So we'll see how this, how this matches up. And, uh, and hopefully we'll see, we'll see what happens from there. Okay, Mark, I want to go through a couple rapid fire questions with you. It doesn't have to be super succinct, but I want to try to cover uh, a decent bit of, of some of these, some of these questions. If you had to say there was three reasons to start a podcast, what would they be? Three reasons to start a podcast. Um, Number one is you're trying to start a movement beyond yourself. Number two is you are trying to 
scale who you are and the conversations that you have at scale. And like, just as an example, what I mean by that is I don't have time to hop onto a call with everybody, but if someone asked me the very specific question of Mark, how do I get over social anxiety or what do I do if I'm suicidal? Copy and send them the link to my podcast episode. Right. Extremely effective. You can be in multiple places in depth at once. And then the last one is you should start a podcast if you want overall like your social media, your email strategy to be more centralized. So I'm, I've been in marketing for a long time. There's so many different marketing channels that you can do. But the fact that you can take a podcast that's like 45 minutes long, 50 minutes long, have that be a podcast, put that up on Spotify, and then have that maybe be a, a YouTube video, put it up on YouTube, break it down into mini videos that you can put on Instagram, LinkedIn, take a podcast episode, repurpose it into an article, put it on Medium, put it on LinkedIn, take that article, edit it a bit, and then use it for your email newsletter. And so I think the biggest thing is like companies, brands, organizations, entrepreneurs should start podcasts if they're looking for a streamlined social media, media branding strategy that is actually past the BS of a 30 second Instagram ad that right. lets people peek into real two human beings having a conversation for 30, 40 minutes, which in today's world is very rare. And so that's why, that's why. So it's taking, so it's taking more to, or more than just this podcast that we're doing right now and me making a ton of different assets for it so it could help people in a variety of ways, right? Yeah, and like that's how my entire LinkedIn, you know, career kind of popped off just through literally t like mentioning my podcast grew, and promoting that you it. Grew your following? Yeah, I grew my following on LinkedIn. I grew my podcast and I grew my LinkedIn from LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> well, like um, inception there, kind of. Yeah, because it's like this, right? So you you start a podcast and, you know, of course you want to promote the podcast. So you make LinkedIn posts from it and then you want to, um, you know, maybe use LinkedIn to get access to guests like you did. You reached out to me through LinkedIn. Um, and then, you know, for example, your LinkedIn now is getting bigger and it's growing because you're now associating your podcast with it. And so, you know, for example, people see me and I'm, you know, I've, I've, you know, done podcasts with all sorts of people from, from, uh, Ed Milet to, uh, to a lot of big people on LinkedIn. Exactly. And so people see that and they're like, Oh man, this guy on LinkedIn, let me, let me connect with him and follow him. And so, yeah, it's vice versa. It is some LinkedIn inception there, but yeah, LinkedIn has been massive for growing my podcast for sure. And relationships are key. Uh, two part question. How do you go about building relationships or rapport with your guests? And also what's the secret to getting these high caliber guests? Yeah. So to answer the second one, the, the secret to getting high caliber guests is to be a real trustworthy person that isn't just trying to sell something. Genuine. And so like, um, genuine, right. And like, I, what I mean by that is like, you know, I got Seth Godin on my podcast because I was like, Hey Seth, I'm Mark. Here's a quick paragraph about who I am. I host this podcast. I've interviewed your friends, Dan Pink, Akshay. So like I'm, so like I'm listing people that I know Seth knows at a personal level yep. who I've interviewed. And so if there's that mutual point of connection, Seth knows like, Hey, you know, if he was a scumbag, then maybe he, like he wouldn't have talked to this person or that person. And so, um, just like once you, once you get one guest, one bigger guest, it gets easier to get into any other guest that knows them. And then right. that, that's like a chain that keeps going. And so for me, it's, it's, it's gotten much easier to get on different podcast guests because I've just interviewed so many of like the biggest uh, like legends and Titans. And so everybody knows them. And so it's Getting easy for them to do that network essentially network. Yeah. A hundred percent. And um, so that's one. Um, and then, uh, wait, I'm sorry, Todd, can you repeat your first question? Oh yeah. Um, so, so the first question was, was, um, how do you go about building a rapport with them? Okay. Yeah. So this is super interesting, man. So I remember when I first started my podcast, I would literally just interview them and then I'd say bye. And then I'd never talk to them again, <laughs> my guest. And, uh, the truth is, is, is like, you shouldn't do that. You should always stay in touch with them. And, um, and this is the other thing too. 
um, you have to look at yourself as an equal person. If you are like fanboying or if you are, you know, putting up, putting somebody up on a pedestal, then they're going to see you as a fan. They're going to see you as a supporter. You want them to see you as an equal. And so for me, that was definitely one of the biggest mistakes that I made. And, um, and the second thing too, was because I, I saw that because I just, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, yo, I'm like some kid over here. I don't like, why are these people even talking to me? Like I have nothing to, to give them. Right. I'm just like an interviewer over here behind the mic. Nobody knows who I am. And, you know, honestly, the, the time, the story that happened where that totally broke out of me was, I remember I was one time interviewing this like very high profile, best-selling author. And, um, and this person, you know, I had him on my podcast and we talked about all sorts of things. We talked about mental health and like halfway into the podcast, and this was an audio only podcast, so I couldn't see his face. Um, halfway into the podcast, he like starts crying and, uh, and you know, I, I like stopped recording and, and he, and, and I was like, I was like, hey, you know, Hey, I'm super sorry. Uh, you know, we can, we can do this later or not do it later if you want to. And he was like, no, no, just give me like a few minutes. And so like five minutes passed by. And then we did the interview, we completed it. And that was that. And then six months later, I get a call on my phone and it's this guy who calls me and he's like, yo, is this Mark? And I'm like, yeah, who is this? And he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm this guy that you interviewed uh, on your press. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, how'd you get my number? And all this different stuff. And he basically told me, he was like, dude, I need to thank you because at that time in my life, I was in, I was such a mess. I was in such a dark spot. And when I, when you gave me the opportunity to just talk for an hour on this microphone, that truly gave me the space that I needed to just like express different things that were going on and, and process things that were going on in my head. And, and he was like, yeah, dude, I like literally thank you because that I look back at that now, six months ago as a turning point in wow. like my mental health and turning point. And then he was like, Oh, by the way, I'm running like this massive summit event in this place. And I would love to invite you as a speaker. And then wow. the, per and then, and then he invited all of his other speaker friends, which were people who, were completely out of my league. And then all of a sudden I'm right next to them speaking next to them on a stage. And so that for me was a story that happened where I was truly like, Holy crap. You have no idea what could happen six months after you interview someone. You have no idea what happens if you just show up as yourself and you just give someone the authentic space to be themselves. That is crazy, man. And, and it sounds like, Oh, wow. So you just <laughs> truly never know. So when you're, when you're interviewing these people, um, is it a good way to shake the nerves just by being human, just having a conversation? I mean, dude, honestly, a lot of times it's terrifying. <laughs> and, um, and like the reality is, is it's, so this is the thing, right? So I have to make this point because, um, you know, for example, if you have lived with anxiety your entire life and you're like nervous and you're terrifying, that's a bad thing, right? Because that means that your anxiety is controlling you. But Yo, before I'm about to do like any like high profile interview, I'm always nervous. And I, I like literally wrote this book on screw being shy. And like the reality is, is that um, those nerves help you do well. Those nerves mean that you care. And like, just as an example, um, one of my favorite um, uh, musical artists, rappers, his name is Logic. And um, I don't know if you know Logic, but he recently retired from his musical career. And I was listening to an interview that he did. And he said, I'm retiring because music, it, it just, it, you know, cause he got started when he was like 19 in the career. And so he's like, he's been famous this entire time. And he was literally like, yo, when I'm about to like perform now next to like little Wayne or like next to Eminem, I don't even get nervous anymore. I don't even get tingles because my body, my brain is just so used to it. And he's like, dude, that's now boring for me. It's like lost its meaning. Yeah. And so for me, that's what I know of like, yo, when you feel those nerves, that's a great thing. Right. And, um, and uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, his name is Mastin Kip. He has this quote. He says, unless you are in mortal danger or have like an anxiety disorder, fear is the, is the universe's way of telling you where to go. Fear is life's compass. 
And so I think back to that and I think about all the years of my life where I had extreme social anxiety, where I could never speak up in front of a classroom, in front of whoever. But then now I'm like literally a public speaker. Right. <laughs> and so, so it's so crazy because it just goes to show you, it's like once you are able to get healthier, start to heal yourself, then what happens is these nerves and these anxieties it's not like it goes away, but it gets brought down to a, to a level that's normal. It's brought down to a level where then it's easier to be yourself. And even like, honestly, like in the, in like the talks pre COVID that I did where I wasn't nervous, dude, I did terrible. But the talks where I was nervous, I did feel those nights. I literally take those nerves and I literally just like put it inside of my brain as like an energy source and I just go with it and I roll with it. I, and I do killer, killer speeches. And so, yeah, man, I don't want the nerves to ever go away, man. I, I really don't after understanding everything I've understood. Cause I know when they go away, there's a problem. Well, good. And thank you for giving me that peace of mind. Cause I did have the, uh, have a little nerves before jumping on with you too. So hopefully, hopefully I did well with it. Two more questions. Yeah, you're crushing it, man. As we're, as we're rolling up here, uh, if you were to teach a podcasting 101 class, what would you share? So, so my podcasting one-on-one class is called uh, growcast.co. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and, this, and this is it, man. So like for the past several years, I have spent, in terms of like my business time, uh, one-on-one with like leaders, founders, I've worked with a Fortune 500 CEO, all kinds of like extremely confident, reputable, amazing, powerful leaders. Almost every single one of them struggle when it comes to starting a podcast with like, Oh, but how am I going to sound? But how are these people going to perceive me? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? And so my podcasting course that I actually do teach that people can check out at growcast.co. It, it not only teaches just like the stuff that you can find on Google of like how to edit and like how to do all this like technical crap, but it teaches you the real like psychology. It teaches you the gray aspects behind what it means to communicate yourself to the world, behind a microphone. Um, how, do you, how do you integrate a podcast into your business? How do you integrate it into achieving your life goals? How do you make money from it in a way where you're not selling your soul? And so I go in, we go in depth about all of that. Um, and it's the feedback that we've gotten has been great. So yeah, Growcast, literally. <laughs> Absolutely. Mark, you are truly uh, an incredible human being and, and you've overcome adversity. You're the true story of that. So thank you so much for, for being on the show. Besides Growcast, is there anywhere else that people could learn more about you? Yeah. If people can go to my website, markmetry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com. That's like a good place to, to, for people to check out things. And, uh, and yeah, definitely because it came out yesterday, please definitely check out my audiobook for this book, I'm Being Shy. Yeah, get your copy. Um, let me know how it goes. And yeah, that's it. And Tyler, you're a great host, man. I'm so proud of you and keep going. Dude, thank you so much. That wraps up another show of the 20% Podcast. I would love to know your feedback on this episode. So you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Tyler Meckis, or you can send me an email at 20percentpodcastquestions at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, send it to your friends or anyone who could benefit from listening. I absolutely love your feedback. And sharing and subscribing to the show is the best way that we could get the word out and help as many people as we can. Additionally, if you know anybody who'd be interested to interview, please send them my way. Until next time, cheers. Until next time, cheers. Until next time, cheers.